0: Was a very, very the world's smartest man, um, the world's strongest man, a preacher, and a Boy Scout. And as they were going along, um, the plane got into difficulties, and uh, unfortunately, there were only three parachutes in the plane. Um, so the world's strongest man grabs the parachute and says, "I'm the world's strongest man. I'm a role model for many." And I can save many lives by just aspiring people to my physique. So he takes one of the parachutes and jumps out. At that point, the world's wisest man, the world's smartest man says, look, I'm the world's smartest man. I'm a role model for all who want to solve the many problems of this world and find solutions for the future of humanity. And he grabs his pack and jumps out. Um, There's only one pack left. And the preacher turns to the little boy and he says, look, I've led a very good life. Um, you take the last parachute, God will take care of me. And the Boy Scout turned to him and said, don't worry, you can both jump. The world's smartest man just grabbed my backpack. <laughs> so uh, today, in a way, I kind of want to talk about role models. Uh, I want to talk about uh, people that we aspire to, people that we look up to. And I wonder for... Um, for as Christians, as Christian people, people who are learning to follow Jesus, who we might look to, we might look to someone in the world like a William Wilberforce of the past, um, or a Mother Teresa for inspiration. And if we look through the Bible, we might look at people like Abraham, who is commended for his faith, or somebody like Moses, or somebody like Joshua, Ruth, David, Esther, Paul, Mary, there's a whole lot of them. But I wonder how many of you would consider Joseph. Uh, Mary's Joseph, as someone to aspire to. So today we're looking at this series, we're continuing on the series, unpacking the nativity scene. um, As we are in the season of Advent, now Advent of course looks forward to the second coming of Christ, because Christ will come again, um, but we also of course celebrate and we remember that first Advent, the coming of Jesus. You know, um, many years ago, apparently, uh, when St. Andrews um, had a manger scene out there, apparently Joseph got stolen or burnt, I'm told. That's why we only have we only had the Mary, and that's why last year my friend Jeff made a Joseph for us to go in there. And in fact, on uh, Tuesday, I went down to tiaranoa and I took Joseph with me, and we had a little devotion on Joseph. There's a guy who wrote a book... Um, a man called Adam Hamilton, and this is what he says about the nativity. He says, so often we go to Mary or to Jesus, but we miss out on the man who likely formed and shaped much of Jesus' self-understanding and his understanding of God and his understanding of what God is like. So today we're thinking about Joseph, and my question is, why did God choose him? And the second thought is, why does he choose us to be part of his salvation plan? Because he does. You know, Joseph is very unobtrusive. Biblically speaking, he is only referred to in 27 verses in the whole Bible, and he never speaks once. There's no recorded words of Joseph The 23 verses that we heard today come out of the Nativity story, and on four other occasions in the Gospel, Joseph is referred to either as um, Jesus' carpenter father or Jesus is referred to the son of Joseph. Of course, Jesus is actually the son of God, isn't he? He's the son of God by the Holy Spirit. But he's also referred to the son of Joseph because legally speaking, what happened was Joseph adopted him. He adopted him into his family. Now, what we know about Joseph in the Bible is quite limited. We know, first of all, he was part of the Davidic line. You know, Jesus is called the son of David. That was a messianic phrase. And, of course, Joseph is in that Davidic ancestral line. Another thing we know about him, we know about him that he had a father called Jacob. Does that echo... A Joseph who had a father, Jacob, in the Old Testament. Interesting, isn't it? We also know that he was a carpenter and we tend to think of carpenters in Jesus' day as people who built houses, but probably not. He probably made furniture. He probably made door frames. He probably made windows. He probably made those sorts of things because house builders would work in brick and stone and he was a carpenter. Joseph by all accounts, was just an ordinary bloke. He would fit in very well into a Kiwi scene, I'm sure. And so when we think of biblical characters, we often don't think of somebody like Moses because we tend to think of these great heroes. But I think we can relate probably more to Joseph if we really give it some thought. Now I want to propose to you three reasons why God chose Joseph. And the first reason is this. Joseph was a role model of godly character. Not only was Joseph a really hard-working chippy, he was preparing a home for Mary to live in and bring her to his home, but he found himself in a very, very tricky spot. Someone said to me once, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And that's certainly what Joseph did. One of the reasons uh, we, we heard the Good News being Bible being read today, but the King, New King James Bible, which is a more accurate uh, transliteration, if you like, of the word, means that actually Joseph and Mary were married. They were actually married, and I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, but due to the cultural norms of that culture and that day, they did not live together or sleep together. In the culture of the day, this is the way marriage happened. First of all, when a, uh, um, when a couple were uh, to be married, two fathers would actually um, betroth a couple. Usually the girl was in her t- in her preteens, probably around about seven, eight or nine. And the husband-to-be would have been probably 20s, late teens. And the two fathers... It would be an arranged marriage where they would be betrothed to one another. They would be singled out. And, the only, uh, and that was the time between then and when the marriage took place that if they discovered that they weren't suitable, they could break that. But then the second stage was that they would then have the marriage, usually when the girl was probably around 14, 15, 16, and the male was, as I say, in his 20s, possibly even had reached the age of 30 at that stage. Um, And what would happen is that they would have a marriage ceremony where they were committed in marriage to one another, but then for a whole year they would not live together or they would not sleep together. And what would happen is that the husband would go off and prepare the house to bring his wife to, and then they would live together the only way that a marriage could be broken, usually at that time, would be for unfaithfulness. And that would mean that the husband would have to bring a lawsuit against his wife. A legal lawsuit. And if that was found to be true, then the wife would probably be stoned to death. That was the Jewish law. See, Joseph was a just man. He believed in the law. That's one of the reasons why God chose him. He was a man of the law. He was a man who believed in God's word. He was a man who believed in the commandments of God. That's one of the reasons why God chose him. After the year was up, the marriage then would be consummated and the wife would come to live with the husband. So Joseph had this real problem because he learned that his wife was pregnant. And she said to him, it's by the Holy Spirit, but he couldn't understand this or couldn't believe it. So he had this quandary, what am I going to do? If I bring a law case against her, she'll probably be stoned to death. So I'm going to try and break with her privately, quietly. Now that would have been a really difficult thing because Nazareth was a very small town. It wasn't big at all. And so I think if they had, if he'd bought a legal separation, sorry, he'd, he'd quietly put her away, that's the phrase the Bible uses, what would happen is that a lot of people in the community would know about that and she'd become a vilified person and she'd probably have to end up eventually in prostitution to support her child and herself. That was the difficulty that Joseph faced. But the Bible says that he was a just man. And of course we know he had this dream. And so what did he do? He punted for mercy. You know, God is not only a God of justice, he's a God of mercy and compassion. And Joseph immediately, once he had this dream, obeyed that and he put aside all the social stigma, all the cultural norms. And the Bible says he took her as his wife. That means he probably brought her to his house. He still did not sleep with her, of course, until after Jesus was born. because We know that because actually Jesus had four or five other brothers and sisters. So I think often we find it hard to understand the air that, jo- that Joseph actually breathed because really it was scandalous. You know, in our culture, we live in an anything-goes-play-by-our-own-rules culture. That's what we live by. But in Joseph's day, it was anything-does-not-go and abide-by-God's-rules culture. That was the type of culture it was. And so knowing this, uh, Joseph was a very brave and courageous man. And that raises a lot of questions for us, doesn't it? When we know what God says about something and we want to act that way yet the other side of it is the mercy and the compassion of God and there are many situations maybe you've been in your own life where you've had to make a decision am I going to go with God's word or am I going to show compassion and mercy I can't go into it but there was a person in our congregation who took a real brave step this year to show compassion and mercy to someone Uh, when it clearly wasn't perhaps legally thinking in the Christian mindset the right thing to do. And I commend that person for the step that she took. It was a very merciful one. You know, another thought. Adam Hamilton wrote this book about Joseph and he said this. He said, Joseph must have been a major part in shaping Jesus' life. And he said this. When Jesus told the story of the prodigal son, I wonder if he had Joseph partly in his mind as the father who would take the son back because he knew how his father behaved. And maybe when he was talking to the disciples, when the disciples were saying, well, who's going to be the most famous? And, and Jesus said, those who are servants are the greatest. He probably, I wonder if he thought of his father who served Mary and served the family. So that's the first thing, his godly character. The second thing is, uh, Joseph was definitely a role model father. Did anybody pick up in verse 3 of Once in Royal David's City a change in the lines? Put up your hand if you noticed a change in the lines. Oh, Marie did, well done, there are a few people did. So we changed, um, love and watch the lowly maiden in whose gentle arms he lay, to love and watch his earthly father in whose presence learnt to pray. The Bible doesn't tell us much about uh, Joseph's relationship with Jesus, but we do know that he had a huge influence on him. James Baldwin said this, children have never been very good at listening to their parents or elders, but they've never failed to imitate them. I love that. And John Wooden remarks in his book that being a role model is the most powerful form of educating. Too often fathers neglect it because they get so caught up in making a living that they forget to make a life. Ooh. Joseph was an example of someone who contributed to making a life. He was a role model for the Son of God. Imagine being Jesus' earthly father. Imagine being asked to carry that mission. Three things about being a father. Firstly, Joseph adopted Jesus. Joseph made Jesus his own son legally. In verse 24, he says he took Mary to be his wife. And in verse 25, it says Joseph named him Jesus It is the father who names the child in that culture. I think adopting children is an amazing ministry. And Joseph adopted the son, Jesus. Secondly, Joseph brought Jesus up as if he were his own son. In Deuteronomy, we read about the role of the father to Teach the children, and to as they walk along the road, to teach them about God's laws, and um, paint things on the walls in their house, and to point children, to teach children all the time about how to follow Christ, how to follow God. And Proverbs twenty-two-six says, "This train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll never depart from it." As a devout Jew and a committed family man, Joseph would have taken the responsibility very seriously he would have ensured that Joseph would attend the synagogue with him. You know, in Luke 4.16 it says, Jesus went to the synagogue as was his custom. He took Jesus to the synagogue. He was responsible for his education, his theological education and his discipleship. And you might remember at the age of 12, they went down to Jerusalem to that great festival um, and Jesus went with them and stayed behind. That was their customs. They celebrated those celebrations together. The third thing is he taught Jesus a trade, something older, an older son would learn from his father. Joseph, Joseph trained Jesus up in carpentry. So Jesus, therefore, would have experienced the daily grind of getting up on Monday morning and going to work. We often forget that. He went to work. He had to provide for the family. We guess that Joseph possibly died before Jesus reached his maturity of coming into his ministry at 30. So possibly from the age of 20 to 30, Joseph ran the carpenter's shop and he would have supported Mary and the family, younger brothers and sisters. So he learnt about hard work. He learnt that it was important to earn a living. And therefore, Jesus would appreciate the challenges that anyone would face in the workforce. Whatever challenge you're facing, bear in mind that Jesus faced challenges in the carpenter shop. I don't know how often he'd hit his thumb, and I don't know what he said when he hit his thumb, but I don't know. But he faced challenges in the carpenter shop. He was a down-to-earth person. You know, in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, this is what the people said about Jesus when he was on his itinerant ministry. Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary? And they were offended by him. He was just a local chippy. But Joseph taught him these important values. And the third thing is, and where I want to come into land today, is that Joseph for us is definitely a role model of faith. He's a role model of faith. Not only did he know God's laws, um, not only did he knew the Jewish traditions, but he demonstrated a living faith, not just a, a kind of religious faith. He demonstrated a living faith. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is he was a man who, when prompted by God, would act. He didn't dither. As soon as God had spoken to him, he stepped out in faith and acted. That's really important. You know, he acted immediately to take Mary as his wife. He, imact, he acted immediately to take the boy and Mary down to Egypt. If he had dithered for a day or two days, Herod's troops would have been into that town and that could have been it. He acted straight away. When he was in Egypt and the angel spoke to him and said, look, go back now, Herod's dead. He acted straight away. And when he came into Israel, he was probably going to return to Bethlehem. But an angel said, no, I want you to go back to Nazareth and live there because there's another tyrant in the southern part of Israel. So he acted and he did that. Now, I've thought a lot about this because you'll probably be thinking, as I was when I read this, I wish I had a dream like Joseph where it was so clear that God told me what to do. The trouble is, a lot of us eat cheese before we go to bed. (laughs) And probably the other thing is, a lot of us, uh, me included, probably watch a lot of trash on TV, which actually affects the way we think about things. I can only honestly say in my life that I've had two God-given dreams over 40 years of being a Christian. Joseph had four in two years. I like to think Joseph was a very pure man, He was very pure. He had a pure heart. And God chose him because he was a man also of faith. He knew that Joseph would respond. You see, what faith does is faith responds to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, not to the promptings of cheese or coffee or things like that. It really doesn't. Not to the promptings of the flesh. And I know for myself, so often I can allow the flesh to lead me to say something to someone or to do something that really is not godly. Joseph was a man of faith. He demonstrated it. He trusted God completely. He trusted as soon as God spoke to him that God was right and he was God's servant. He wasn't going to kowtow to what people thought. He was going to do what God asked him to do. That's what faith is. Faith is what the saints are commended for. Not works, we don't get to heaven by doing good works and saying, well, I've done all this for Christ. I've done this, I've done this. We don't get to heaven that way. We get to heaven for trusting that Jesus died on a cross for our sins and repenting and saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I need to walk in your ways. Help me, Lord. That's what faith is, and it's very different from works. But when we become Christians and we start walking in faith, We show our faith by our works. Our works reveal our faith. They show that we're truly walking on God's pathway. I think Joseph was a man of terrific faith, terrific obedience, someone well worth thinking about. So the question I want to leave with us today is that I believe God chose Joseph because he had certain things in his life that we're going to contribute to the salvation story. You know, the whole of the Old Testament was working towards the coming of a Messiah, and he chose Joseph for this very special task. And the question I want to ask us is, what is God wanting each one of us to do in his salvation story? What is God calling each one of us to do? How is he calling us to participate in his salvation story? God can turn the years that the locusts have eaten away into a new dawn, a new day. And some people tend to think when they hear something like this, oh, you know, my life in the past, I'm never good enough. And that that's actually true. None of us are good enough. None of us are good enough. Joseph wasn't good enough, but God chose him. And it's the same with us. God chooses us. He calls us. He breaks into our lives and says, Sue, Jenny, Phil, Hein, he says, I'm calling you to be part of my salvation story. And I'd like us to hang on to that as we continue on and head into Christmas. I'd like to pray for you, for us, and then ask you to come up and carry on. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your servant Joseph. Thank you for the scriptures that are so rich. Thank you for your Holy Spirit to help us to interpret and understand. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here and myself included that you would help us to hear afresh in our lives that call that you have upon us to be bearers of hope, to be bringers of life, to be bringers of joy um, to those who are pressed down. And Lord, um, please lead us on, I pray, this Christmas as we consider this wonderful event that's coming. Help us to remain faithful to the calling that you've called us to. Help us too to be always open to be asking you, Lord, what am I to do next? I wonder if Joseph did that in Egypt, Lord. What am I to do next? Lord, you've got me down here in Egypt with Mary and Jesus. What am I to do next? And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be a people who walk in step with the Holy Spirit, just as Joseph did. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks.